Like all of us, my guest this week has had a lot of time to think and reflect during quarantine. But something special has happened during this time, and I'm sure for many of you too. All of us, we get to focus on what matters the most. For my guest, it wasn't the films or TV shows he's made us all laugh in. It wasn't his acting career or anything like that. It was family. Family and Crocs? My name is Jeremy Kirkland, and this is Blamo, a podcast exploring the world of fashion with the people who shape it. My guest this week is the actor, comedian, and writer, Adam Pally. Adam and I discuss how your public persona shapes the roles you can play, why improv is for the young, parenting during a pandemic, and why you should treat everyone in your life like a celebrity. You save stuff like from shows and things like that that you do in terms of like little tokens of memorabilia or whatever? No, I never, I don't, I never thought my stuff was going to, I always thought my stuff would be right where it is. <laughs> Not really? that valued. Cause you're like, you're, you're a career actor. You're not a guy who's like, I was in a something once. Like you've been in big shows for a long time and you, you've like, you are like a, a legitimate working career actor. That's also funny and has done great stuff. And as an aside, like come from the whole improv stuff, which in my opinion is like the hardest art form to come from because it's so on. It's on. Yeah, for sure. Sometimes I wish it was a little more written because I think it would be better. <laughs> more written. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like my career is undefined still, which is kind of cool. Um, I, I don't think I've done that thing yet. Not even happy um, endings. I think that's a nice intro yeah. to me, but I, I think it's too short. To yeah. Like it was what, like two it. or three seasons, right? It was three seasons. Yeah. And then I think I went to the mini project and I think that could have been me too, but then I like switched it up really quick and did a bunch of indies and then that could have been me, but I like money. So then I went back to television. <laughs> like, you know, I feel like I've done a nice job of zigging and zagging. Yeah. I don't know what is going to, what all this will bring, but I feel like I still have like a uncut gems in me. For real? Yeah. I'd love to do something like that. I think, I feel like you have to at some point, you know? Yeah. I don't know how old um, Robin Williams was when he made uh, Good Morning Vietnam, but like I'm approaching that territory. Oh damn! Do you yeah, see yourself? I'm almost forty. Yeah. Well, do you see yourself doing like uh, like some sort of a, a drama role where it's like, "Yo, this is Punch Drunk Love, man. This is all well, of a sudden." Punch Drunk Love. Punch Drunk Love. I would. I wouldn't even classify as a drama. I classify that as like a fantasy. I. I yeah, I would love to do something like that. I've done it. I've done a couple in my career already. A particularly a movie called Band Aid. Uh, with Zoe Lister Jones and Fred Armisen that I think is on Netflix now. I don't know. Hulu maybe. I don't know where anything is. <laughs> um, but, uh, and that, that, that was dramatic. And, and I like doing that. And I, I did a movie called Joshi, which is like, I think variety called it the saddest movie of all saddest comedy of all time. Oh so God. I've like, I've done a couple of things like that and I wanted, I want to do more. But I don't think that I've had a comedy establish me yet since Happy Endings. So you got to look at it in a context. Like, what's good when an actor takes a role, it's not just the role and the actor that 
hits with the population. It's the actor's persona or person that you think he might be or she might be mixed with a great performance in a character that is also hitting at the same time. It's like a weird thing, you know, like you look at those performances, like Joaquin Phoenix in Joker is that only works because it's Joaquin Phoenix and the, the whole, his whole career. If you put like Leonardo DiCaprio in that movie, it's not that good. And do you say that in a sense, because Joaquin Phoenix has always been like somewhat, um, I don't know the right word is maybe aloof and mysterious. And so this is a thing. Okay. Yes. And like, uh, and the casting of it, that's why they went there and that's why it made sense. And then he does the great job, you know? So it's like, that has to happen in order to, to like, um, hit that next level. And I think in some ways, luckily enough, I haven't quite had that, which is, which is kind of nice, you know? Um, I mean, that's a fascinating perspective in the sense that like, do you feel that right now you have to kind of curate your off-screen persona to kind of groom yourself for other roles down the road? Kind of, somewhat. I mean, I think I'm, I think the way to do that, instead of say curate, I think you have to be, be open now more and honest. Um, and kind of, um, you know, let you, you, you have to let your work and your, your public persona define you in a certain way and be okay with that yeah. because it will help in the roles that you pick. I mean, even doing a show like Indebted at the time, I was lucky enough at that time to have a couple options of what I wanted to do for that moment. And the reason I liked Indebted was because I thought playing a dad like that would be uh, a nice swing. And it had, and I think the reason it it worked kind of is because people were like, oh yeah, I haven't seen him play a dad like that. Right. And so it worked, you know? Um, And so I feel like that is kind of, you know, similarly, you know, even, even my character in happy endings, when you look at like why it worked, it was because it was a new vibe in a, character and there was an undercurrent of like dude that runs through me so that's why i got cast you know i mean but you're also someone you're a hero on on screen and off screen in the fact that like people want to see you succeed at all times like (laughs) people want are rooting for you from that's very nice that's very nice i think i that that is inherently my mother used to say instead of rooting my mother used to say um that I was watchable, inherently watchable, which I think is something that um, I is a very amazing thing for a mother to tell you, but also um, maybe true, maybe one of my skills. That may be one of my talents is that I am watchable. You know, you don't, you don't see everybody in the world and go, I'd like to watch them, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And I would say relatable too, in the way that, Okay, like from the Mr. Porter thing, right? I mean, you from 
and whether or not you think you're successful is irrelevant to the fact that everyone else thinks you are, right? So you uh-huh. have this career, you've been in all these things from the Marvel universe and the Star Wars universe and whatever. And then now you're, you're expressing the, for lack of a better term, like the pain and anguish that so many other people deal with. And that's parenting, that's loneliness, that's not understanding what the future looks like. And in a way for me, that solidifies you more as like, I just want Adam Pally to like be okay and to get everything. <laughs> like, oh, well, that's nice. I mean, I I don't think it works like that. I think you know why not? I think because um, uh, there's too many people. <laughs> there's too many. You know, like the the um, there are a bunch of me's. You know, and I think I. I was talking about this last night. I think this new generation, the the curation for you of like, basically you're intaking everything that you want to see. Mm -hmm. The fact that you even know of me is because I represent other things in your brain that you like. And it came across your face and I keep coming across your face because there's a certain bubble that we've like created of like what we want to see, who we follow, what we want to see. And the world didn't used to be like that. You had to listen to the radio to hear your favorite song. And there would be three songs you didn't like before you got to the one that you did. Yeah. And then when you found the one you did, you realized, hey, I also do kind of like that other song. And so the knowledge, I think, what is just different now about like, you know, especially the entertainment industry in my career is like the knowledge of all these people is just less. Like, I don't know every Marvel superhero's name, not the character, the actors. I don't know the <laughs> actors' names. Right. Like 10 years ago, I knew who was in a Marvel movie. And whether that's not because it grew and there's too many, I think it's also like a symptom of, like I said, like a curation, like where it's like, I'll only get the Marvel heroes that apply to me. Right. And so I think, I think that there's just a lot of versions of me <laughs> in a lot of ways. Maybe. I mean, I, 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 am, I agree with that. I think that point's super valid. I think it's just also, in that case, it's not factoring in what we were talking about earlier in terms of like, what's the off-screen persona? Like, you know, like that's the fact that you're around. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I think it's important. And that's why, that's why I'm trying to, to do it a little, especially in the pandemic, because A, I have to get away from my family I'm <laughs> losing my mind. I'm going to drown my children in the river. Um, <laughs> but, but also because I, I don't know what it is. I don't, I'm, I'm sitting here wondering, well, what happens if I don't shoot a TV show for eight months? Right. You know, like how am I going to live the same way everybody is? And right. so I feel like, the I feel like better actors or higher level actors don't have to do that. They don't have to, you know, get on Instagram live and debate friends versus Seinfeld. But I feel like I need something to do like that because at least I'm getting to like, at least I'm getting to put something out. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I was, talking to Paul Feig and for him, something that he's been doing every single night is doing these like quarantine cocktails. And look, the idea is not really 
crazy, but in a weird way, he's so committed to doing it and he's still going and doing it over and over again. And I feel like he's just, I don't know if it's an internal thing and like what you're saying that like you're bored and you want to find something to do or to be productive or in a weird way, because of the pandemic, it's forcing people to, in a way, kind of live with and confront themselves and maybe like making more art is a way to just kind of keep shunning that. I think it's that to tell you the truth. Like, I think it's for me, that's what it feels like that. um, I need to like, create some sort of thing around me and I don't have many tools. So like I've been doing this concert with Zoe Lister Jones every Friday where we do like cover songs. Yeah, it's um, great. And I'm not a musician. And in fact, I was really uh, nervous about saying, I don't like to play and sing, but I did it once on Instagram live after a friend of mine passed away and I played one of his songs and I did it earnestly. And I wasn't trying to be like fucking Mark Duplass or something. You know? I wasn't trying to like, <laughs> wow, that's a deep cut. <laughs> shots fired. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't trying go. to like inspire people. I was just playing my guitar. And like, it's so embarrassing to be playing and singing your guitar as an actor and a singer. It's like the last thing anyone wants to see. So there's cer- a certain element of me doing it. That is like a fuck you to that, that I like. And, yeah. and it, and so it, it at least enables me all week to like learn a new song, try to play it to the best of my ability and then play it for like 600 people live. Yeah. And like, that is exciting to me. I mean, it's, it's still done from this like chair where I look like a CNN journalist that's been captured, but <laughs> you know, it's the best, it's, it's one of the best things I can do. I like, I've been doing these debates with Jake because he's young and dumb and I, I win really <laughs> easily. And, and, but I think he's, you know, he's high society style editor now and I've always yeah. liked his writing and I think he's a world that I'd like to step into. And so our debates are interesting to me because at least I get to like not do bits and talk. And I think people have responded to that because they're seeing me not like bullshit. And then I've done a couple Instagram lives with Casey Wilson where I'm just like literally drunk and talking shit. So it's like, I don't know what it is and I don't know if it'll hurt or help. Some people may think that putting this much out there for the public is like gauche or, or even, even worse, like pedestrian. Um, But I feel like, like you were saying, I'm at a point in the pandemic where I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. It, It means nothing. If you don't like it, then who cares? You can like talk shit about it on your text friend thing. It's like, don't bother me. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fine and true, but I, I think my response to some of that stuff is also just like, well, fine, what are you doing? Oh, you're, you're sitting and commenting? Oh, so you're not actually doing anything. Like, there's yeah. a couple of people I follow on Twitter and stuff like that, and even now, like right now, in which like right now, hope is everyone's message, and hope is right, what people right. want, and inspiration, right. and knowing it's going to be okay, and they're being like, geez pretty lame out there like it's crazy they're flying airplanes over that's tacky as fuck and it's just like you know what people are still oh, trying yeah. like I they're can't still trying with anyone's i don't want to hear anyone's hot pandemic take i don't want you to tell <laughs> me to put jeans on i like fuck you i don't want to hear that i don't want you to tell me that because i left new york i abandoned new york fuck you you don't know what you're talking about there was a density problem <laughs> um yeah like I don't want to hear your hot take about how the, the fucking no one could see the planes because we were inside. Like 
it's the least of what I care about or worry. Yeah. You know, and it seems, I, I've heard hot takes where it's like, I actually like the pandemic. It's given oh, me time God. to think or stuff. It's like, shut um No. Or like yeah. people being like, I have read so much of this. And I, I'm like, you know what I read? The horrors of a CNN highlight. Like as it like clicks on my phone. Yeah. Every day I like, I'm like, ooh, a text message. Oh my God. Stay cool. Stay cool. Did like, you turn that stuff off? I had to turn it off. And I've, I don't know how. Like my kids keep turning it on. And my, <laughs> they are. Dad, like, you have to stay updated mom. to the news. <laughs> I know. I, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah. Well, what are the other things that like you're doing to stay comfortable? And I know that's a very stupid question, but like, what are the, you know, are you watching rediscovering old movies? Like you, you all of a sudden you like Walter Matthau, like what's, what's happening? I have no interests or likes anymore. I think as a parent, you are like, I, I, as you have a two-year-old, so you understand a little the the amount of time, but when he goes, I'm assuming your two-year-old still sleeps like normal hours, right? Yeah. She goes to bed at eight. Yeah. Right. And then wakes up at like seven. Yep. That's like a fairly civil day. Mm-hmm. My eight and seven year old are awake 24 hours a day. <laughs> they don't sleep. They are scared from the pandemic. So they're all weird now. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, um, they're, they don't listen. They don't like us. They, it's like, it, I have no, they sleep in our, our room. Yeah. So if we're trying to get them to bed by 10 and then they fall asleep, like, what are we going to watch? Like we'd have to leave the room to right. go watch something like then hope they don't wake up and realize we're not there. Cause they're petrified. Like it's oh, a, man. you know, you, it's a very different existence. Like I, I like that question. I think my answer would be far different than a lot of people. Like, um, I think like I, I I found this plug in Long Island that sent me like a a bunch of edibles that are pretty great. Like that's getting me through. There you go. Um, you know stuff like that. <laughs> like um, uh, wine. My 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 weekly wine delivery is getting me through. Oh, from um, uh, Le, was it Liaris or I don't yeah, know. Las Harris? Yeah, Las Harris. Excuse me. Um, I think Crocs. I the shoes. Yeah. Okay. I'm like going full croc now. Yeah, man. I got a leopard pair. I got a white pair. Um, I don't think I see myself ever tying laces again. <laughs> Even Velcro seems like a stretch for me. Yeah. If, if I can't slip into it or out of it, I don't think I would put it on my foot. I love how um, we're, we're slowly coming back to clothes and John's here. Cause that, yeah, that's what keeps you comfortable. I mean, it's the same with me. I'm like, I'm gonna put on my Cuccinelli knit today. I'm gonna feel good. Yeah, I'm trying to throw fits together, but like, it's not even, not even fun anymore. I, I look. This week has been a tough week. I've like lost my sense of pandemic style. I, <laughs> I, I, I really, I've, I've turned into someone that was found in a cave and given a bunch of clothes and is expected to do like a press conference in two minutes. Be like, it's so nice. To be here, I've like, been frozen fits, for thirty though. years. What? I said you've racked some good fits, though. I do. I, I'm okay. It's nothing to fucking write home about. <laughs> <laughs> so it's nothing to write about. Yeah, for real. I mean, 
that's the thing. I mean, if you're, if you're keeping everyone connected to you in a weird way, I felt, you know, more connected to you because of all the stuff that you've been doing. And, and oh, I, cool. yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I, it, it helps that like, I know Wolf and I know the fail dudes and all that other stuff, but yeah. I mean, that that's just seeing that is I think in a weird way, I don't know if you're real, re, you're realizing this, but you're broadcasting, uh, that it's okay to not be okay. And that in a weird way makes everything okay. Well, I hope so. I mean, I think, I think it is okay to not be okay. Like this is crazy and the worst and I don't know what I'm doing. And, um, and I don't think anyone else does truly. So I feel like it's okay to just like find something that, you know, you, you think, you can click into like I spend most of my time on my phone to tell you yeah. the truth um, when I'm not with the kids. Cause I'm just dying to like see or learn anything like uh, Michael Bryan has been doing a funny bit. You know, Michael Bryan, he's, he used to be on Saturday Night Live. He wrote there for a while. Mm-hmm. Now he's, he creates a show called AP bio where he goes into D nice's uh, Instagram sets and he like will write like help. I'm, I'm trapped. Help <laughs> <laughs> come get me. And like the other commenters will be like, stop it. No, you're not. He'll be like, yes, I am. I'm at this address. If you don't come help me, <laughs> part of the crime. <laughs> so I, I try to find that when that goes on. I think that's really funny. Yeah. Um, you know, like I don't even think about what movies to watch. <laughs> like that, I couldn't even imagine. There's some improv dudes, some magnet dudes, and I think some UCB folks whom are doing Zoom improvs at home. It's like, <laughs> wait, can we, can we talk very quick about improv? Because you, sure, please. my, um, my ex was in improv. I mean, I've been married for like, I don't know, 10 years now, but the, the woman I was with before then, she was very, very, she was with Mantzoukas and all, and like worked with all those folks. And I know you had a bit of an overlap there. And the thing about improv is one, like for me, I think it's probably one of the greatest art forms in history. Like I saw the Mantzoukas brothers do stuff before and I know it's not Jason's real brother, but, um, and it was incredible. The, the Schwartz and middle ditch stuff is, is pretty amazing. But then there's also other people who are doing improv that are just really, really, really bad, like really bad. And the thing that I've always wondered is like, there's the improv laugh that happens. And this for me is not a bit, but it's like, you see someone else doing improv and it's like, they're kind of dying. And so there's this weird sort of laugh that gets thrown out. And I say that because I went to improv every single night all the time in support of my ex. And there would just be these awkward laughs that come out all the time. Um, yeah, the improv laugh is, is, is something, I don't think it's improv. I think it's, comic related i think that it it is relevant in other comedy circles too stand up um and what it is is it's twofold but usually it comes from the insecurity of the person laughing and usually the person laughing like that is a performer at the theater exactly yeah they're they're the only other people that are laughing are other improvers so there's again, twofold reason for that, in my opinion. One is so that everyone else in the audience who are also presumably members of the improv community realize that this specific person is laughing so hard that they become part of the show. 
So when people leave and everyone's talking about it, they go, well, I mean, Manzoukas loved it. You know, I, I think that there was a little bit of a subconscious of like, um, uh, I want people to know how much I, I, I love it. Right. Or why, or maybe there's another reason why, you know, so that's one thing. Uh, the other thing is, um, we as comedians, it's, it's inherent that we, uh, a lot of us need that big reaction from even the people standing around us. Right. So subconsciously, while you're seeing someone on stage, it's almost like a jealousy thing, you know? It's like you're seeing someone on stage, they're killing, and you're laughing so loud. <laughs> People go like, <laughs> right? Yeah. And you're part of it. Um, oh, so damn. I think, I think it's that, to tell you the truth. But my, my relationship with the improv community and improv is, is different, I think, than a lot of people. Why is that? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. I think I just like, um, I don't know. It's a young man's game. Really? Mm -hmm. But even, I mean, even folks like, okay, to, to jump back to Mantzoukas, I mean, he was doing improv for a, a very, very long time before he, he popped. Want even more Blamo? Head over to patreon.com forward slash Blamo to join the Blam fam and get access to additional interviews, a community slack, special events, and more. Hear what's been happening with Sid Mashburn, Michael Hill, and the return of some of your favorite past guests. And we're launching new shows and miniseries only available on Patreon. Visit patreon.com forward slash Blamo and we'll see you there. Manzukis, while well older than me, is a young man. Uh, he has no children. Oh, okay. He's single. And he's very successful. It's not an indictment on his personality. He's amazing. He was my former teacher. But it's not the same thing for other people. You know, it's, you're, it's a young man's game. It's, you have to think different. You have to be really quick. And you have to be doing it for so long that you're still good at it. It's, like, it's not like riding a bike. Right. Um, I, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I think that it's not I, like, I, I love, I, I love to do it and I would love to do it, but I, it's a young man's game. There's things that excite me differently now. Well, back to improv. Look, I think you're right. I, I definitely agree that improv is like kind of a young man's game, but I, I, I think that especially now as more and more people are feeling deeper connected with you that like, I want to see you do improv. Like before, before we um, started chatting, I was like, Oh, I wonder if I could find some improv videos of Adam Powley on YouTube or some sort of other things. Sure. You can, can you? I, I mean, sure I, I, I looked for a little bit and then we started talking, but <laughs> so, I'm sure they're there if you want them. I, I look, I, I love to improvise. I like to improvise with specific people. Um, Who? some of those people don't really, I was in a, my, my best years improvising respect on a group called death by Ruru. 
that had um, John Gemberling, Jackie Clark, Anthony Atamanik, Curtis Gwynn, Neil Casey, Gavin Spieler, and Liz Kakowski. And those, and Brett Gelman. And oh. those, and those parts were interchangeable. You could come and go, you could be in town, you could be out of town. But for about four years in New York on Saturday nights, that was my jam. And I loved playing with those people. It was like what I had worked my whole like career to find in improv. It was like a like-minded group of people, a show that I understood and a way to do it. And then as you get older and you play a bunch of ASCATs, which I also like doing, you sometimes are just playing with people that you're like, give or take, you know, I don't, you know, and, 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 that, and then, then you feel bad because it's like, I should be able to play with them, anybody. And it's like, do they like me? Do they, you know, and it's a lot of insecurity there and a lot of anxiety. And, um, so I found that I, I like to do these smaller shows with my buddies, Ben Schwartz and Gil Ozeri. Um, but then I moved to New York and they stayed there. So we don't get to see each other as much anymore and do any shows. But, um, I really only like playing with, with them, which is again, like, you know, neither here nor there. I want to do improv. Maybe I'll feel this way when my kids are going to, going to bed on their own, you know, right. like I couldn't even envision myself getting out of the house to do improv unless I had like a million things in place. And that headspace is difficult to do improv in sometimes, you know? I mean, yeah, you could do improv uh, over zoom with Schwartz. There you go. <laughs> Hard pass. Hard pass. Yeah. I guess cause you can't really see each other. It's going to be tough to do that. You're like staring at the camera and be like, hold on. I want to see what you're doing. Oh, there's a delay. I don't think I can. I'm sure that ASCAP people will figure it out for their, for their big, uh, um, benefits this weekend. But I, I, it it gives me, it's just like, I want to, I want to be doing it in the right place. I don't want to be like, you know, just doing it. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. I know that, uh, yeah, obviously Mandalorian, all that happened. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I know you've talked to tons of people about it, but like, how did all of this happen? It, it, it just very Hollywood. Like I, I have become friends with Favreau over the years. Um, just like doing small jobs for him and stuff. Um, yeah. and he knew happy endings and we, he, he's very close with Robert Downey who, who for a time, a long time in Hollywood was kind of like my, like my guy. He like, mentored me a little and wait hold so on just, really yeah i i wrote robert tag jr's web series for like a year um specifically for him and then um he gave me a part in iron man yeah and because down because favreau was there and we just became buddies you know part of like the same kind of clicks right and uh he called and was like can you come down? Do you have a few days to come to my Manhattan beach? Cause I was up shooting something else. And I was like, yeah, sure. Of course. And so I extended my trip and I went down there and we talked and he showed me everything. And then I got fitted and then I came back a couple of days later and did some more stuff. And it was just kind of like, it felt like working for a friend, you know? And then, and I was just so lucky that, that, um, my that the other stormtrooper that they cast was happened to be my real friend and then also that taika white city was directing because it let 
like once we saw him and he saw us, it was like game over, you know? Right. Well, because Jason was the other guy, right? Sudeikis? Sudeikis, yeah. 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 Um, I mean, because that, when you were getting fit, so you were getting fit for like a stormtrooper. It's a bike scout, technically. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want the yeah. nerds. I don't want the nerds a scout trooper or whatever. Yeah. yeah. That, I don't want them to come after me. <laughs> that is insane. Like to me, yeah, I mean, especially it, it was. as a Star Wars fan, like, you know, most yeah, of it my was. Life. No, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. It, it was. And, and part when Favreau called me, I had to like go with everything because I didn't want to be, I didn't want to blow my shot at any other Star Wars. I was like, yeah. is this, if I do this, does this mean I can't be in Star Wars? And he was like, no, no, we won't see your face. And I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean, he was like, but he was like, trust me. You're, he, he said it. He was like, you're going to want to do this. It's going to be something you want to do. Yeah. And I was like, if Favreau's telling you, like, you know, sometimes you just go, oh, okay. Yeah. And you, you know? heard your voice in it too. I mean, because I was watching. Oh, it, it was me. Yeah. And it she was, was like, me. oh my gosh. She's like, D- I know that voice. And I was like, who is it? Who is it? And I was like, that's Adam Pally. Yeah. yeah. No, it was awesome. No, we got to ride. I got to ride those bikes. I got to do, I got to, I got to do a couple scenes in a couple of the episodes. Actually, it was, yeah, it was great. It was like a, you know, being a kid. It was amazing. Yeah. I mean, that was including the whole Yoda punch, which was super weird. What was, was Yoda just like a stuffed animal? Well, uh, he ended up being, because the first time we, we, we did it, in the wide we we punched the animatronic and we were told like don't do that <laughs> like all this the thing costs half a million like, whoa, dollars whoa 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 whoa, whoa. <laughs> like, sorry and, and wait and you said taika directed that taika waititi yeah who is so, just the greatest director of all time i was gonna say there's there's your opportunity right there for to get in the marvel because you know he's doing the the next door yeah he already he did not I don't know. Yeah, I just think he's, I don't know. I think he's just mercurial. He was so funny. Like on set, they do this thing with Video Village, which is like, you know, the director and the producers, they sit and there's the monitor set up. Mm-hmm. But because of the way they start, shot Star Wars in this giant like custom dome and everything, his Video Village was essentially like a dorm room. It had a, a like an old couch with lava lamps and black lights and beer and a cooler. And he watched the takes sitting on the couch like he was watching three football games at once. Whoa. And when he would call you over, you'd be like, you'd trudge over in your thing, step off the sand, off the stage, and then you'd, he'd be like, take a seat. And you'd like sit back. You'd be like, whoa. <laughs> and he'd give you your note. And you'd be like, got it. And like you'd hear the clank of your stormtrooper outfit, like get up off a couch. It was pretty trippy. Oh my God. That's nuts. Yeah, because I saw that they're at least for Disney plus they're trying to figure out what they're going to do in terms of like restarting production up for some of these things. Cause that's, uh, that's the big yeah, thing is like, I have, I got a lot of things that are figuring it out. Yeah. And season two of, of indebted, right? I mean, is yes, that- it looks, Oh, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> what up doc? The package came for me and I want, mom wants to know if it's for mother's day. I don't know what this is, buddy. I didn't order this. Is it? Hold on. You're fine. Anyway, that's how it goes. Yeah. (laughs) That's it right there. That's amazing. (laughs) What, that he interrupted me working to find out if I ordered something? No, I mean, it's amazing that you care. 
and that you're not like dad's working door stays closed oh no yeah well, i mean why should be like that should be professional <laughs> no no that's that's i think that that's the stuff that like to jump all the way back that's the stuff why people love you and why in my opinion i think this is like that attitude of the sense that like my kids are a part of my life therefore that affects who i am as a person is the most important thing in terms of of your evolution as just a human i mean i'm serious i think that's really cool i think so too i appreciate that i think i i have consciously been trying to do it um because again like in my opinion like where i want to go and where where i want to be you need to open yourself up constantly so that there's people have a perspective on what you're doing you know what i mean like if if christian bale doesn't gain or lose weight there's no point in casting him in a lot of ways (laughs) you know exactly because then you don't know what the big deal was if you cast a fat guy in that role you'd be like yeah he fit perfectly yeah it's true christian bale's body weight fluctuation is key it's key it's huge to all of us (laughs) (laughs) my some of my best memories of my entire life looking back right now as an adult are where my dad let me come into his to his world like to come into the studio when he was recording someone or to listen to some take even though i thought in my mind it was stupid he would take me to nashville all the time to go into these people's studios and i would see you know Dan Peake's Grammys and I thought America was a stupid band and now I'm like in my 30s and I'm like I'm an idiot dad I'm so that sorry that sounds awesome that sounds cool <laughs> yeah but it was because yeah. he he cared and he, he let me yeah. in that I think I think he, my, I try to like I said I try to bring my kids into everything they, they come to almost every set they they know all about movies and how it works even my two-year-old understands like you know actors on television versus real life like they that is something they get really right away um and i think it has helped honestly because my wife is so unimpressed with my job (laughs) that (laughs) that it sometimes filters down to the kids which is good because it keeps everybody on the same page you know what i mean it's like it's not about me going on a plane to promote something at the Super Bowl. It's about daddy going to work long hours, you know? Right. And I think that is important. Yeah. I mean, do your when your kids see you on TV, or I don't know if you watched if you guys watched the yeah, they watched, at home. Yeah, they watched Indebted. What did they what, did you explain that to them? What, what what was that like? I didn't say anything to them. <laughs> <laughs> like this is where your college fund's gonna come from. God right. Won. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, they, they, they like, they, first of all, they liked indebted cause they can watch it. A lot of my stuff before in this, before this year of work, which I made a conscious effort to make stuff that they could see. I did three things in a row, like all year this year, just for them, um, was a choice because they were getting frustrated and I was getting frustrated about showing them the other side of my job. Mm. You know, it's one thing to come to work and see the cameras and see all the people and see people dressing you and see all the stuff that goes into it. And then being forced to stay in a trailer while daddy like jumps from a burning building or makes out with a supermodel. Not that that's what's happening, but it's like, you know, it, it doesn't hit, the, it doesn't hit as hard for them. 
Right. You know, what hits hard for them is when they come to Indebted and they see me like run a joke five times and then they see it on television and the audience laughs. It's like that hits hard. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, and yeah, I guess Indebted was probably different too, because I mean, that was a, that was like a live show, right? I mean, did they sit Yeah, that taping? was the first time I did that. Yeah. And they liked that. They thought it was exciting. Cool. Yeah. I mean, it's not as fun because it goes long. It's not like, it's, it's not as like quick as it seems on television, but it, <laughs> they liked the, they liked hearing the audience. They liked it being a concert as opposed to like when they came to me on Sonic, they were like, we're in the woods, <laughs> you know, like, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Did they come to the Mandalorian set? No, no, it's closed set. I couldn't even go on Mandalorian. I couldn't even go to craft and services without three assistants shrouding me in a cloak. Really? Huh? See, that's gotta be the, the, like the nuts thing that I don't even know if the trade-off is worth it, where everything is like so secret. It's um, worth it. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> and I kept like dodging them. I kept like running around. There's a whole, I, I, I doubt they'll show it on the outtake. But, like uh, a couple of the actors didn't like me shockingly like carl weathers and i did not get along and and there's a scene in i think it's in episode seven or, or six or something where i'm like stopping them at a gate and they're like trying to sneak through yeah and in that take i was just like it was so hot and it was taking forever and the director sandy um was like she was like just go just like start annoying them because i guess they were like flat or whatever and so I started going in there and I was like improvising some dumb shit about how like, like they don't customize the uniforms for us. It's like three people have died in this armor and they just like handed it down to me. Those people were different body types, such bullshit. You know, I was like, I don't even think like, you think the Supreme Leader even knows how fucked up the Death Star is now? <laughs> Fucking damaged. You can see it. Look, you can see it. You know, and like I was just like improvising, and then I it got all the way to like me in the full costume, like Millie rocking, and like it was so funny at the time. Like the crew was like busting up, and then Carl Weathers was like, "He's making it impossible to be on this planet," <laughs> and everyone was like, "All right, cool out, Adam." I was like, "Got it," and I like toned it down. So I hope that makes it into the documentary. Oh damn! Yeah, I gotta see that. Is um, it? that's gotta be kind of weird because in my mind, I feel like that's the sort of thing where, I mean, cause I've been on sets before when I, you know, had worked with a few other clients and stuff. Yeah. And sometimes it's super weird in the sense that there's a very serious pecking order and it's like, this person just walked on. Don't oh, say yeah. anything. You're not allowed to be here. And it was, it was like that. <laughs> oh, damn. Okay. This, let me leave you with this question then. How do you, as a person, this is, so how, how do I, cause I'm, I'm someone whom I, and even from the podcast and everything, I only talk to people that I like and I, and I always want to tell everyone how much I like them. And for me, that is also how I want to connect with someone. So how do I do that? But also be respectful of that person. And I'm, I'm sure it's, you have to gauge each situation, but like if you're an actor and you're on sets and Brad Pitt walks on, how do you like, you want to tell Pitt like, yo, you're cool. I, yes, I, I, I've made, I've made the, the, it's, it's hard, you know, and I've made many mistakes about it. When I first worked with Jim Carrey, I realized 
I was like, I'm not getting good vibes here. And I realized I didn't, I didn't tell him up top that I love him. I didn't right. tell him how much he means to me and how I steal his shit all the time. And so then I told him. And the second half of our experience was a lot better, you know? And I, so I think just as a person, I try to do this in my regular life. It's always nice to lead with a compliment yeah. because you can always find something good about someone. And so like, especially for those people, they are human beings and their reputation precedes them. But in that moment, they just want what, what we all want, which is love and confirmation. Yeah. So I always do it. Now, if I see someone, I instantly am like, I'm a big fan. If I am, if I'm not, I find something else to compliment them on. Right. That's awesome. That's okay. That's really beautiful. That, that, that validates my, my desire to tell people that sort of stuff. Cause I'll, I'll do that any and all the time, especially with musicians. Uh, cause I used to work in the oh, music yeah. industry for a long time. I mean, I told, we were working on a Radiohead album and Tom York was in the office and I went and I told Tom York, like how important he was. And like, he was the reason why I moved to New York and play music and all that. And he literally was like, thanks. That's strange. But I was like, I was still glad I said it. Like I was what still glad I told him. What more <laughs> yeah. do you want from Tom York? Exactly. He, he exactly. thinks that's strange. <laughs> Have you heard in rainbows? <laughs> it's just fucking strange. Yeah. Um, it's, no, yeah. I think I think that's that's beautiful. I I all that's what I strive. I would strive for, you know, and I would strive for, um, you know, I I bet you that that meant a lot to Tom York that day. Yeah. You know, we're all people, we're all people. And, and you don't get tired of hearing that. It makes you, it, and especially as an artist, it makes you go, Oh, this person knows my work, you know? Yeah. So I, I always lead with that in, in my, um, interactions. Yeah. That's great. Well, Mr. Pally, I want to thank, thank you, you, thank you so much. Uh, My I know you're I hope, a busy guy. I hope this is okay. I hope this this setup is okay. Oh no, this will be great. Uh, right, thank you. you, thank you again. I really appreciate it. Any, Good chat. Anytime. My pleasure. All right. See ya. You've been listening to Blamo. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. Editing by Brendan Finn, and we're produced by Blamo Media. Follow along with us on Instagram at Blamo Podcast, and leave a review for us on your favorite podcast app. Want even more Blamo? Head over to patreon.com forward slash Blamo to join the Blam fam and get access to additional interviews, a community slack, special events, and more. Best of all, you're supporting the show. So try it. It feels good. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week.